Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Today's message is from a guest speaker. We pray this message speaks to you. As you know, I'm the founder of Real Love Ministries. I'm also a pastor of the the Brunswick campus at Bethel Cleveland. So we're a Bethel church and our parent church is in Redding, California. And uh, just have an amazing opportunity in life to steward such amazing things in the kingdom of heaven. And uh, it's such an honor to be able to stand here because I know that together today that we are going to walk into an experience with Jesus that's going to change us forever. You know, there's going to be people who are healed. There's going to be miracles that happen. But I think most importantly is we're going to know the King more. We're going to experience His love. We're going to experience His presence. We're going to experience His Holy Spirit in ways that hopefully even I've never experienced. You know, I always tell people that when we surrender our life to Jesus, we get on the boat of the kingdom and we're all in the same boat and the mast is up and the sails are set and we're being blown in the same direction by the Holy Spirit. And we can either be on the boat or off. We all have the same invitation. We all have the same opportunity you know, hashtag Jesus paid the price, right? He paid the price for the last need of mankind. You know, we did a great training here. Raise your hand if you were in the training. Hallelujah, look at that. 12 hours of it for that matter. And if you were here in the training, so even in the training while we trained people, there were miracles that happened. And if you were in the training and you received a miracle in your body of some kind, raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five. There was, I think, nine total, what I would call like notable miracles. So everybody feels better in the presence of God right? But that doesn't mean that they're cured or that their injury has been recovered. And so it's important to us to know the truth. And we're glad that everyone feels better, but we want them to be healed. We want them to receive a miracle And one of the things that we really try to focus our attention on is not the miracle or the healing or the breakthrough that we need. And I think that's our natural position as human beings is to fight for that. But rather than fight for the breakthrough or the miracle or the healing that we need, we look for the king. Because when Jesus walks in the room, everything changes. He paid the price on the cross so that we don't have to perform. It's not about how hard we stomp our feet. It's not about how 
much we wave our arms or how much we yell and get excited about who he is. It's about what he's already done. The responsibility that we have as children of God are to believe in who he is and not only who he is but also what he said and what he said about us. It's not enough just to believe in who he is. James said that even demons believe that and tremble. He said, but I will show you my faith by what I do. And the things that James did showed that he believed that Jesus was who he said that he was and that he knew that he was who Jesus said that he was. Right? The first verse in our training is 1 John 1 and 12, or John 1 and 12, and to them he gave the right to become children of God. Right? So Jesus is real. (laughs) He's alive. And he's our friend. Right? He's not angry. He's, he's not on the punishment seat right now. He's on the mercy seat. God isn't frustrated with humanity. He's not overworked. He's not overburdened. He's never spread too thin. As a matter of fact, he's everywhere at the same time. And wherever he is, all of who he is is available to each and every one of us He's just waiting for us to say yes, surrender our life, and look to him. That's why I love that song, love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. Because when we look to him, his love comes down. It rescues us. It flows through us. Jesus said that out of your hearts, out of my heart, would flow rivers of living water. And it's the river of the Spirit of God, the very presence of the creator of the universe that has the power to heal, that has the power to set people free, that has the power to forgive sins. Isn't that amazing? Man, I just... I never get tired or weary of talking about who he is. Yeah, I just want to share a testimony from the service, the training that happened. If I could get the handheld mic, that would be great. And I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to hold it for you, okay? If that's all right, put my hand on your shoulder. Just, you know, let people know who you are in case somebody doesn't know. Yes. My name's Danielle. Most of you know me. Okay. And my testimony is about uh, the shoulder injury that a lot of you know 18 months ago I sustained. The doctor said there were so many surgeries I would need. There was too many. They would just fuse the arm and the shoulder together. There was a lady that was told about this doctor from this church. And I told him that was unacceptable. I asked him if he could trust 
and believe, have faith that the God that I believe in and that I serve, knowing that this lady that brought me came from a church and was guided to you, I told this doctor, to have the trust and the belief and the faith that I did. But I needed a doctor to go to physical therapy. I wasn't willing to accept my arm to be fused to my body, so we were going into prayer, and we asked him to agree. He gave it time. He kind of looked a little weird. I've had miraculous healings throughout my life since I've come to this church. We know they've been instantaneous, and I've had the healings that have been progressive and ongoing to this present time. Friday night, I came to this church, and I was coming to learn about God working through me to heal, to have his power to work through me to heal people. And I found that I came with pain in my shoulder, thinking I could see there's still a hole that wasn't mended. And the pain was great. Pain was great under my arm. And I believe I received the healing of both areas. And I'm praising the Lord because this morning I can actually hold a curling iron. (laughs) So praise, praise the Lord. Bless you. Thank you for sharing that. You did an excellent job. I don't know that I've, I don't know that I've ever had that clear. <laughs> that was probably one of the most clear, concise testimonies I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I hold the microphone. You never know where people are going to go. You want to be able to pull them back in. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. You know, can we just stand up for a minute and worship and go back into that you deserve the glory? Can we stand up together and worship and just put all our attention on Jesus? Yes, Jesus, we adore you. Lift your hands with me. Yes, you're so wonderful, Lord. You're so welcome. We just thank you that you're always present 
Holy Spirit, we, we recognize that you're here all the time. And we just give you permission to manifest in whatever way you desire. You know the number of hairs on each of our heads, God. You know what each of us need. And we know that the price that Jesus paid was for the last need of mankind. So we thank you and we are believing you for every miracle, every touch in people's bodies, everyone who's filled by your spirit here today and encounters your love. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you can feel free to be seated. Yeah. Jesus. I asked him to stay up here. I have a word for you, but I asked the worship leader to stay up here because I just have a feeling that God might do something a little bit differently. And I just want us to be ready for him. You know, the body of Christ works together. He gave us different gifts. It's like air support, right? My sister's an F-18 fighter pilot and a commander in the Navy. And she's air support if we need it, right? Wow, how powerful is that? When people can surrender their heart and their life to Jesus so much that they want to walk with one another, even in the gifts that God has given them, to see Jesus' heart more fully expressed in a moment or a situation, right? He commands a blessing on unity, right? The pooling of the anointing. If you don't know what the anointing is, the anointing is Jesus, (laughs) is the Holy Spirit, (laughs) right? I always say the Holy Spirit was sent ultimately to reveal Christ, and Christ came to reveal the Father, right? And it doesn't matter who we are or where we're from, what our history is, no matter how long we've served the Lord or whether we've found our way into this service because somebody told us about it and we've never known the Lord or given our life to the Lord, when we come into his presence and we surrender to the King, it's like we've all always been here. amazing that's why Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first so I want to talk to you a little bit about the process of transformation and becoming like Jesus and that process is one of self-revelation dying to self and allowing Jesus to take the seat on the throne of our hearts. Where is the 
young man who came and talked to me about his father passing. I can't remember his first name. Darren, is he in here? Aaron. All right. I, I have a word for you. Okay, you can hang out right there. You know, when we were talking, the Lord, just put your hands out like this for me. The Lord started speaking to me about you. And I just saw this anointing for healing flowing into your life. And even now I hear the phrase, like, neither do I count my life dear unto myself. And there's a scripture where Paul said, even now my life is being poured out like a drink offering. And I feel like you're stepping into a place and God is calling you to a place to pour out your life like a drink offering for the sake of others. And as your life is poured out like water, like Ezekiel 37 says, wherever that river goes, there's healing and there's life. And I even see him stirring your heart to launch a healing center. I feel like this whole acceleration thing is big for you. It's big for you. And it, it may start in this church. I don't know. You need to talk to the pastor about that but I just you know Hebrews chapter 4 it says he who promised is faithful it's either 4 or 10 he who promised is faithful he's faithful to complete the work that he started in you because you've chosen to believe against all odds you've chosen to stand in faith regardless of what you saw and you walked through the suffering of the cross with what you went through with your dad and on the other side of the suffering of the cross is always the power of his resurrection. And I just feel like if you would say yes, that things will start to shift. And if you don't even understand right now that things will start to become clear. So God, I just bless him with the grace and the anointing for healing, for miracles, let it flow into his life like a mighty, rushing river. And I just see these divine opportunities are going to start happening around you to pray for the sick. Where you didn't recognize it before, it's going to be on your mind. You're, it doesn't matter if you're in Walmart. It doesn't matter if you're in the church or where you are. When you go into the scriptures, things are going to start pointing to healing. They're going to start pointing to the cross. It's like all things will point to this for you. And the compass always points to King Jesus. He is the healer. He is the breakthrough. He is the miracle worker. So I just bless you with that. I bless you with that. In Jesus' name, amen. Whoa. Jesus, are you ready? Are you ready? Yeah. You know, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says this. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. 
Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. We can draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transformed into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another and this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So when we look to Jesus with an open heart, we see him for who he really is. And we see ourselves for who we really are. And it's in that place of transparency and intimacy that we find ourselves dining with King Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our life to transform us in such a way that we begin to become like him. It's part of our inheritance in Christ. That's what the scripture is saying. You know, Saul, and I'm just going to give you an example here. Saul, on his road to Damascus, I mean, he was so religious and so staunch in following all of the regulations and the rules of the written law and the written code that he was actually given permission to kill and imprison people who were followers of Christ. And it says in the Bible when he was on the road to Damascus that he was breathing violence and threats. I mean, this was a man full of hatred, full of rage, but he stood on his pride that he followed, regardless of what was happening in his heart or in his mind, he was following every rule to the T and that justified him and it justified his behavior. Because those of you who aren't following these rules that I'm following, you need to be killed or imprisoned. And it was on that road to Damascus that he was breathing out violence and rage and anger. That light shone around him from heaven and he encountered Jesus face to face. You know, it's like the first thing Jesus said is, Saul, Saul, why do you kick against the goads? And the, a goad is like a cattle prod to keep the cattle going in the direction that you want it to go. So what the Lord was saying is, why are you pushing against the direction I'm trying to send you? Because he knew in, his, in Saul's heart of hearts, he thought he was pleasing God. He really believed it to the point of murdering people and arresting people. And it was like the more he kicked against the leading and the direction of God, the more twisted and contorted the violence and the sin in his heart became. 
And when he fell off that horse and the light shone around him, he immediately recognized the voice as his Lord. And he was given an instruction. And the instruction that he was given was, you know, go, go here, wait for three days, and I'll give you further instructions. That's it in a nutshell. And at that moment, he had a decision to make. Was he going to say yes to Jesus? Or was he going to say no and get back on the horse and go his way? But in that moment, he chose to say yes to Jesus. And he came out of the light. He was blinded physically to where he couldn't see. And he was led by hand to a place. And he sat there for three days. And I believe that this was the first time in Saul's life, rather than looking at external rules and regulations that were written, he had to look within. And I would imagine when he looked within for those three days that he saw Jesus face to face and he saw himself for who he really was and who he had really become. And he realized that his life was against God and was against God's people. And what a, what a wretched person he had become. And I believe he wept and he wept and he wept at the altar of the Lord. I believe this was his altar experience. And it was in that place that Ananias, a servant of God, heard from the Lord to go Saul of Tarsus is here. Lay hands on him. Prophesy over him. Tell him he's going to preach the gospel to the nations of the world. Ananias was scared. He's like, you know, this guy is killing my friends, arresting my friends. He goes. And he meets him there. He meets him there. And it says he laid hands on Saul and immediately he was filled with the Holy Spirit and when he was as he was filled with the Spirit it said the scales fell off of his eyes and I believe that in that moment for the first time in his life rather seeing life through the eyes of religion and hatred and control and fear and murder he saw love for the first time those three days and he opened his eyes and saw through the eyes of a loving God who sent his son to pay the ultimate price for all mankind because of his love for the world. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In that moment, his eyes were opened to the king and his kingdom. Just want you guys to know that when the baby cries, the Holy Spirit does not leave the room. <laughs> Right? 
He stepped out of the realm of the flesh and into the realm of the love of the king. And it says in the Bible that not long after that, he went away for three years and was taught by Jesus himself. Taught by Jesus himself. And it was after that that he came back. He started preaching immediately, but he started seeing real fruit after those three years. And the apostles still didn't recognize him. They were still kind of afraid of him, trying to feel him out. And it was a few years later that they recognized and affirmed because all of the miracles and salvations that were happening that Peter and the apostles in Jerusalem laid hands on him and sent him out. And that's where we have the epistles came from him going out into the world. And the 13 books of the Bible that we have. You know, and he went through this transformational process. I call it the process that we all go through in our own way. Because it doesn't matter if we're a murderer or a drug addict or a wealthy business owner who doesn't know Jesus or a prostitute. Without Jesus, we're all in the same boat. But it comes down to a moment when we see Jesus and we experience him for the first time and we say yes, the moment of our salvation that we confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that we would be saved if we believe that Jesus is who he says that he was and that he did what the Bible says that he did, that we would be saved. Galatians 1.11 says this, it says, but I make known to you, and this is Paul, that the gospel which was preached by me, not according to man, for I neither received it by, from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And this scripture connotation comes from his three years where he was taught by Jesus in the wilderness. <clears throat> When Paul saw Jesus face to face, his hardened heart was broken. And he said yes and surrendered his life. He received the power of the Holy Spirit. And his eyes were opened to the king and his kingdom. Right? It wasn't just a solitary moment where he felt the tug in his heart and he began to believe and he said the prayer and he welcomed Jesus into his heart. That was the beginning of the process of walking with Jesus in such a way that he surrendered every aspect of his life. When Paul opened his eyes and the scales fell off his eyes, he never went back to being a Pharisee. He never went back to the neighborhood that he came from. He left town for three years. Everything in his life had changed. Everything had become new because he had chosen to give every aspect and every facet of his life to Jesus. <clears throat> the same process that Paul was invited into is the same process that we 
as believers in Christ have an invitation to. Paul said to said this, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what I see the Father doing. I wish I could stand before you and say that I only say what I hear the Father saying, and I only do what the Father does, because I don't. But every day that I wake up, I surrender my heart to him again, sometimes 10, 15, 20 times a day. And I'm learning to walk in a way to where I am abiding in his presence and conscious that he's here and that he's real. And I say, God, let my heart burn for the things that are around me like your heart burns for them. those people in Walmart that we pass by because we're too busy and we feel that knock and we brush it off as not being the Lord, but it is. That time that we could have giving to our neighbor who's in need or when we're having bad service at a restaurant and we want to complain and we want to cause trouble for the server instead of doing that prophesying over them and leaving them the largest tip that they get of the night, which has the power to radically change their whole evening, instead of partnering with the devil and and making it worse. With Christ in us, he is the light of the world. He said that you are the light of the world, a city set upon a hill that cannot be hidden. He said, let your light shine before men. What is the light that's in you? Is it Jesus? Are you willing to let it shine even when it's inconvenient? Are you willing to believe that he chose you to pray for the sick and see them recover? Are you willing to believe that he called you to love somebody and to give freely of your life who's devastated in a life of sin, who doesn't know up from down or that there is a heaven or hell or anything about Jesus? Are you willing to be the light in the darkness? If we did an honest evaluation, I bet we would find there are many times where we partner with darkness and not the light. I think we've been taught that if my love shines to you and you're living in some sort of sinful lifestyle, that if my love is on, then I'm affirming your sin. And that's not true. Just because our love is on doesn't mean we agree with sinful lifestyle. And it's not about punishing sinful lifestyle. We know that sin causes destruction in people's lives. And if we know Jesus and we believe what he said and who he is, and we have surrendered our life to the king, then it should be the utmost importance and passion in our life to allow that light to shine in us 
for everyone to see so they can be swept into this marvelous kingdom and this thing that we call eternal life. Eternal life happens at the moment of salvation. It's the process of us walking with him in a way that allows his love, his spirit, his presence to transform us internally. We look within to see the fullness of this outward expression. We have to stop looking out here to find what we're looking for. Jesus said, you look over here and you look over there and you're looking for the kingdom. And he said, do you not know that the kingdom of heaven is inside of you? It starts inside of you. It's not the world's fault that you feel the way that you do. If you're a grown, mature person, it's time for us to take responsibility for what's in here. And when we don't like what we feel, stop blaming the world around us and say, Jesus, come into my heart and change what needs to be changed. There's nothing wrong with us. There's just some things missing. We're all in the same boat. This isn't a word of condemnation or, or a public rebuke. God knows there's things that I need upgraded in my life. But if we can come to a place where we can stand in transparency and be honest about where we're at and who we are, but we believe in the king and his kingdom and the transformational process of the Holy Spirit where Colossians talks about the renewal, the restoration, and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. What's being regenerated? What's being illuminated in the light? The reality of a city whose maker is God. We don't have to wait until we die to walk with him in that kind of intimacy. Jesus went about preaching the kingdom of heaven is in hand now. The kingdom is at hand now. So as he unravels all the conditions that we have in our hearts, conditions on the love that we're willing to give and the love that we're willing to receive, when we meet that love and we welcome it, it shakes us to the core. And we're broken in a good way. And his love is the allure. It's like the bait that gives us the courage to say, you know what? I'm willing to give everything and trust this. And it's in the place of absolute surrender that the Spirit of God comes into our life and makes the changes that we could never make on our own and shines in us for our sake, but not just for our sake, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our neighborhoods, for the sake of our schools, for the sake of our government, 
for the sake of the world because the world does not need an experience or an encounter with you or with me or with the pastor. It needs an encounter with King Jesus. What happens within us is far greater than what will ever happen on the outside of us. I'm going to wrap up here. True surrender is an act of unconditional love. Matthew 16, 24 through 25. John 15 and 13. John 15 and 13 says this, for the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. And this love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his love for his friends. True love is absolute surrender. It says, here I am with no strings attached. It does not come with conditions. True love, according to the book of Corinthians, believes all things and hopes all things. It never stops believing and it never stops loving. And I'll close with this, Philippians 3, 7 through 10. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered a loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. The righteousness which comes by faith in God, that I may know him. The righteousness that I gain from my surrendered faith in God causes me to know him in the power of his resurrection. And that word power in the Greek, the New Testament is written in Greek, is, is spelled dynamis, and we know it as dunamis. And the Greek translation is miracle-working power. It says right here, an inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature that exerts from a person or a thing power to perform miracles and power to have moral excellence of soul. So the resurrection power isn't just so we can be healed, isn't so we can just see demonstrations of the miraculous in physical bodies, it's so we can see miracles happen in our hearts and in the way that we think. And when our heart starts to change and the way we think starts to change and we start being elevated and illuminated beyond the flesh into the realm of the spirit and the fruit of God Jesus himself seated on our heart, his love, his joy, his peace, his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his kindness, his self-control begins to be expressed. And at the same time, it's the power of God that starts to be revealed. And the, the promise of the Father from the book of Acts, chapter one, verse eight, where Jesus, Jesus tells them to go wait and not long from now you will receive the promise of the Father. And the promise of the Father is the promise of power. To preach the gospel. To be the gospel. 
We need to stop looking for the next move of God and we need to become the next move of God. But we can't do it alone. We have to do it with Jesus. We have to do it with the King. How many of you here need prayer in your body and you need a miracle of some kind? It could be sickness, disease. It could be an injury that you've suffered. Raise your hand. Come on, raise your hands. Hallelujah. Jesus is here. Listen, you guys, this, when God first called me to this, and I said yes, and I had some fantastic experiences with the Lord and clear confirmations, and I went to my prayer closet and I thought about it. I watched some videos of like other ministers that were called to do stuff like this, and I was like, God, I don't want to be part of some freak show. That's what I said. If I'm going to say yes to this, you're going to have to show up. And you're going to have to be who you are because I can't do this. But all we have to do is believe and surrender. We don't have to perform. He did all the performing that will ever need done at the cross and the resurrection. We fight by letting go. We fight by believing. We fight by worshiping. We fight by positioning our heart in a place of rest and peace with God. Listen, we're going to open up the altars in like two minutes. We have these people who are trained. We're going to put chairs out. And the teams that went through the training with our team's oversight, it's going to serve as a final activation. But during these activations, real miracles happen. I mean, I I already know. I already know people will be healed. I'm not worried. I'm not worried whether or not they will be or whether they won't. I just know that we're supposed to believe. And that if we believe, according to Scripture, all things are possible for those that believe. And as believers and ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven... We talked about this in the training. Our churches should be like embassies in a foreign nation because according to Hebrews, they were not, they were strangers in a foreign land. The people of God and our churches should represent be embassies of heaven, be embassies of the kingdom of heaven and each one of us are his ambassadors. We're representatives of the gospel. We're representatives of the King. You know, when we're suffering with sickness, we're in the hospital for long periods of time and we don't know what's happening or we're diagnosed with cancer or we've been in a car accident and we're in severe pain for years, the emotional toll that it can take on us is intense. I just really feel like 
there's some people in here that have struggled and fought for so long that your heart is weary, your heart is troubled, and your heart is broken. But I want you to know this, that out of the brokenness of our hearts, the anointing of His Spirit flows. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.